0: Welcome to Coruscant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Peter Nickel. Peter Nickel is a Chief Technology Officer, four-times author, MIT Sloan and Yale School of Management speaker dedicated to helping organizations connect strategy to execution to maximize company performance. His career has focused on driving and quantifying business value by championing disruptive technologies such as blockchain, data science, and artificial intelligence. He is also a contributing author for CIO Magazine and has been recognized for Digital Innovations by CIO 100, MIT Sloan, BRM Institute, Computer World, and PMI. You can connect with Peter at datasciencecio.com. Well, good afternoon, Peter. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. You bet, Peter. This is exciting. I know we plan on this for a while, and I'm really excited to jump into the questions and talk a little bit more about what you do and some of the books you're, you've been writing. So, Peter, let's talk about the first question. You've got quite the career in technology as a Chief Technology Officer. Now you're the Head of Portfolio Management and R&D. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth?
1: Sure. I guess my first thought is be curious. You know, Focus on your ability to learn and think about learning intelligence, which is the, the capacity to expand thinking, absorb alternatives, and unlock the possibilities for improved learning agility. When you start to think about you know, what you potentially could do and look around the corner, you start to open up a lot of really exciting opportunities. Also, always be learning. You know, one of my favorite quotes comes from BB King, a disc jockey and from Memphis back in the '40s, and he said, "The beautiful thing about learning is that nobody can take it away from you." I really think that's pretty impactful when you start to think about how you acquire and you know digest and absorb and ultimately share knowledge. You know, the more you gain, the the more empowered you really become. And that kind of leads into like you know the third idea, which is like really reading and sharing that information. It doesn't matter. So much if you write it, speak it, or you just have an informal conversation with a buddy, you know, or a colleague. But ultimately, that discussion fuels new ideas. And whether you're, you know, having the discussion in your own head, as I do sometimes, or you have it opportunity with somebody else, what's really more important is you have that discussion and you're sharing that information, and that really helps you digest and ultimately learn that info. And I guess the last tidbit I have learned over the years is pick managers, not companies. We all always hear about, you know, why the good people leave the companies and this, you know, 90% the manager, but the flip, the flip also also is true, which is, you don't hear as much, which is why great talent stays at a company. And it's largely because of that manager or that leader. So take the time when you're interviewing to interview, not only the company, but also the manager.
0: I think that's great advice, honestly, and we've all been there, Peter, as we've started out in our careers, we can probably remember on one hand how many good and bad managers we've had. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's yeah, it's it's crazy like that. So I appreciate you sharing. And Peter, you certainly are busy these days, having written several books and releasing one recently. Could you share with us what inspired you to write these?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to launch my third book, The Think, Lead, Disrupt, and my fourth book just got released uh, in January, Leading with Value thinkly disrupt is is all about connecting strategy to execution. So it's you know really solving the problem of how do the best leaders in your company always have these great ideas? and over the years, you know, I worked with some amazing leaders, and I noticed that a lot of these leaders had some things in common and they just didn't have one lucky idea. They were continually able to generate world-class ideas and execute on those ideas over and over again. So, it really becomes down to a process which um you know the the listeners and, and viewers can absorb as well that i share a lot of those insights in the book and with leading with value it's about helping leaders communicate business value so just from my recent experience and and through my career a lot of really you know sharp leaders have trouble communicating and ultimately quantifying the business value their own individual contribution their team contribution or even their department contribution and Leading with Value offers some practical advice to elevate that team up in the eyes of leadership. And we hear a lot about products to project transitions or agile to waterfall or operational accidents, DevOps, SecOps, all that stuff. But really, it all has kind of one goal, and that's really to realize value faster. What I try to capture in, in you know, Leading with Value is really what the concept of value is about. And you know, it's kind of hard to get your arms around value, but if you think about it, You know, what if you walked into your office tomorrow and you didn't have your chair and it was just, you know, it could be your home office or it could be your, you know, your work office. And then you find out that your kid took it as part of this critical element to build an internal fort with some blankets. You know, what happens is your back gets sore, your neck gets sore, you're leaning forward. You know, maybe you're lucky and have a stand up desk, so it doesn't really apply. But ultimately, you know, what's the value of that chair? And you start to realize, well, yeah, eventually I'm going to get one of those if I don't have one for a few days. But, but guess what? We find that valuable. And in business, is not so straightforward or clear. And it's, it's, well, what is value? You know, the team took nine weeks to deliver this initiative. But when we did a more detailed assessment, we found out that only one of eight business units uses that product. Was it successful? Did we add value? You know, probably not to the degree we expected. And what I tried to kind of capture is is, is ultimately how leaders can kind of methodically go through and and communicate and articulate and quantify that value to their executive team.
0: I appreciate that share. And I think that's going to resonate with our audience. Like like I said, when we get this published out there, there's been a lot of you know activity around your your profile recently around the books. And I appreciate you sharing a sampling with me uh, previously as well. So again, Peter, thank you. Absolutely. We're going to get this shared out. Yeah. So Peter, this is a big one for us. We're a technology platform. You and I are both technologists, but are you currently leveraging any new emerging technology within your tech stack? Something that you can share with our audience? Because that's kind of why they're here.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, there, I mean, there's a lot of really cool new new products and services interactions that are popping up, you know. I think the latest number from Amazon was like 6,400 or 6,500 services available. You know, whenever I hear somebody says, oh, I understand AWS, it's like, really? Like, which of the services do you know? But I can give you two examples. One is we adopted Snowflake, and this is a cloud-based data warehousing company, you know, founded back in 2012. And in, instead of buying, you know, all the hardware and the data centers, you know, physical units that we did before, this product provides more of a cloud-based software as a service offering that we leverage in AWS. So you get some different benefits of authentication, you know, metadata management, query parsing and optimization, does like kind of almost end-to-end infrastructure management and provides some access control. So two of the biggest benefits really come down to concurrency and accessibility, and you can seamlessly do data sharing, um, which is one of the biggest perks. So we have it connected to AWS S3 storage with some feeds to BI and analytics layer, and supporting you know, different business units, marketing, finance, uh, our data science and our informatics teams. But that's one you know, product that's kind of um, off-the-shelf, containerized, that's in AWS. It's, it's pretty powerful. Another one that comes to mind is leveraging TensorFlow a little bit more often. So this is a free open source software library for machine learning. You know, Google developed it for a lot of their deep learning apps. The software uses data flow and differential programming. Uh, to focus on training and inference for deep neural networks it has a lot of different utility uses a couple that come to mind are you know recognition systems or imaging video text summarization and sediment analysis you know l- largely which is you know how brands use to determine you know likely enough to purchase and so forth but there's also some alter- you know alternatives that tensorflow competes with there are some competitors which is like pytorch let me think apache spark cafe which is a you know contains an open source platform for machine learning tools. I think that was by Facebook. And then there's Keras, which is an API that makes building deep learning models a bit easier and faster across a lot of platforms. So those are just some of the products that we're starting to integrate into our ecosystem and try to leverage.
0: That's awesome. I appreciate the share. And I think that's just a couple of good examples of what's happening out in this space. And a lot of the people that listen to this podcasts like to learn a little bit more, especially from your perspective. So, Peter, we're going to jump into the last question here. People want to know a little bit more about Peter Nickel. Can you share something from your career experience that might be helpful for those looking to grow their career in technology or leadership?
1: See, I'll give you two examples, I guess. The first is don't be afraid to look where others aren't looking. Two things that come up is, you know, today there's about 2.1 million leaders globally that have either taken or passed a PA, PA exam and about 1 million are active. But when I took the exam back in 2001, which seems like ages ago now, it was just starting to get traction. So I was flying to New Zealand and Australia, trying to explain to different executives from, from Shell and others, you know, the value of project management. And frankly, most were pretty skeptical. But at that time, only about 9% of all project managers globally had a PMP credential. So part of it is, you know, be a little bit curious and focus where others aren't spending that time. A segue is in 2006, I started learning Six Sigma and became a master black belt. And there weren't a lot of master black belts at the time. I was trained under a, a grade from GE, who had worked under Jack Welch for 24 years. And even today, there's only about 2.3 percent of U.S. leaders hold a Six Sigma master, back, you know, master back black belt credential. And 15 years ago, that number was even less. When we you know when I earned mine, and in 2014. I was trying to also kind of look where others weren't looking and focus on business relationship management. I'm proud to have such a supportive, you know, team and leadership team. And in 2019, I was the first to be globally credentialed as a master black, a master business relationship manager. And now the BRM Institute is, you know, very popular, has over 10,000 different leaders and they span about hundred countries. So look where others kind of aren't leading a segue into that is, you know, anticipate the trends in the movement, but sometimes you're spot on like those examples, but, you know there's also a lot of times where i totally missed and one funny example is back when palm pilots were a thing i started to get really involved in them and in 1988 you know they sold over about 1 million units so of course you know this personal digital assistant was going to be the new norm for everybody and mobile devices in general were taking off so i thought wow i'm going to ride this wave like a hawaiian surfer like professional grade so i got involved in the international team. I quickly got trained in all the levels of administration through international networking and a global sales team. You know, Unfortunately, that whole sexy wave lasted a total of like two years, and then it was totally dead. So it doesn't always work. I, I guess the lesson there is that not every horse you pick is gonna be a winner. So the key is to play enough so that you're almost guaranteed to choose a winner. And interestingly enough, during that same time, I also was doing training in, in Market Guide for Bloomberg and Value Line for market research and LexisNexis for some of the high-tech resources. And, you know, ironically, all these trading platforms were really big at Wall Street at the time. I was fortunate to, to be part of uh, Bentley University, a private business school just outside of Boston. And all these products are still in existence in the market today. So while some areas, you know, totally did not work and just kind of fizzled out, other areas really boom. So I think when you look at somebody's background, you know, they might say, Oh, look at all that success. And he just picked all these great, you know, technologies and and companies. And wow, what an innovator. The reality is if I showed you the path, it wouldn't just be like one ski path. You'd see all the ski paths into the woods, into the trees, you know, that, that never really made it onto the the actual course that were part of that journey and part of that evolution. And I think that's the fun part of learning.
0: That's awesome. I appreciate your, well, first of all, your ambition going after it, but But like you said, kind of going in a direction where maybe the path is less beaten, right? So I appreciate that share. And Peter, I just want to let you know it was a pleasure having you on today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Sounds great. Bye for now.